All right, hello and welcome to the Millie's Forum Speaker Webinar Series. I'm Stacey Roman and I will be moderating this discussion today. Very pleased to have Jason Guberman, Director of the American Sephardi Federation, join us to discuss Racing Against Time, documenting Jewish sites in the Middle East. Mr. Guberman, Guberman will speak for 10 to 15 minutes and open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type out your question. And with that, I'll turn the discussion over to Mr. Jason Guberman. Thank you very much, Stacey. Um, I must start off with, with a, a bit of a disclaimer. So I, I wear two hats. Uh, I am the executive director of the American Sephardi Federation, which is a Jewish communal uh, organization that's involved in Jewish communal and diplomatic affairs, as well as a library and archive publications and um, many, many activities. Uh, for those of you who are following the news, one of our distinguished board members, Hakam Rabbi Dr. Abadi, was just appointed the senior rabbi of the UAE something that we're very proud of and very active in, but I'm not gonna be speaking about ASF today. I'm gonna to be speaking about Diarna, uh, which is the project I helped co-found and launch uh, back in 2008, uh, fresh out of college. And uh, I'll, I'll start off by explaining how I, how I got into this uh, field, because that's usually one of the recurring questions. Uh, first, why was a, a nice Jewish boy going to a Catholic university? Went to Sacred Heart University in Fairfield, Connecticut. And two, how did a, a good Litvak end up running a project to document and preserve Sephardic Jewish history? Um, so in answering the second question, uh, I had always been interested in Jews in the Middle East, North Africa, and I saw this uh, as, our, as our common heritage, regardless of uh, chance of birth. Uh, the Jew, Jewish ancestor is uh, Abraham, uh, who, who was, who was uh, an Iraqi. Um, and in terms of uh, how this is recognized in the broader world, uh, I saw that, uh, for instance, in, in my Middle East politics class, our, our book had on one page, one paragraph, Jews outside of the land of Israel uh, have a 2,500 year history in the Middle East. And that's it, one paragraph. All of Jewish history in the region, all the complexity um, reduced to, to almost nothing. Uh, so it was against this backdrop that a friend contacted me as I was finishing up what, what became my junior senior year. I graduated a year early. Uh, and he has an interesting background. His, his uh, wife has roots, Jewish roots in Southern Morocco. He had just had a daughter and he'd also just returned from Morocco and was concerned as uh, the decades passed, three, four, five decades removed from Jewish communal life, the sites that remain behind are decaying. The people with memories are passing on. How is his daughter going to connect with her Jewish roots? I had been doing some work in, uh, in Middle East civil rights. Um, I had even organized a concert uh, for uh, Iranian dissidents uh, at Sacred Heart. Um, and the, the, I, so I had this crazy network of friends from Morocco, from Egypt, from Iran, uh, who were interested in Jewish history and some of them in starting to work with us even discovered their own Jewish roots. Um, and uh, we also had this inkling of this new technology, relatively new at the time called Google Earth, which would enable us to, to document and, and preserve sites. So very early on, I was, I was meeting with people and we were showing one laptop with Google Earth and another laptop with photos. And we said, what would, what would be the significance if we could bring them together? Uh, so that's the, the origins of the ARNA. Um, uh, our co-founder uh, and who now serves as the uh, 
president of Diarna's parent nonprofit organization, Digital Heritage Mapping, is Professor Fran Molino, who at the time was head of Jewish studies at Wellesley College. And we had a very uh, fruitful relationship with Wellesley that has continued to the present day. Uh, and uh, we got started right away with research missions into the region, recruiting people on the ground, uh, and and working our way about, you know, not uh, as one of our researchers, uh, Eddie Ashkenazi has said, uh, not uh, rewriting the history books, but in some cases, writing the history books, because some of these places and communities and stories have, have been completely uh, lost to history. Before we go further, I want to uh, jump in and show you some of the sites. Uh, I'm going to show you an intro video um, about DRNA, highlights a few sites, and then uh, we'll, 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 we'll travel, no passport or airfare uh, required to, to a few additional sites. Welcome to the Diarna Geo Museum. Diarna means our homes in Judeo-Arabic. It testifies to a shared history which the forces of hatred are actively seeking to erase by spreading ignorance and destruction across the region. In 2014, after seizing Mosul, Islamic State fighters made a public spectacle of destroying the tomb of Jonah. Across the region, Christians and other minorities are subject to the same persecution once reserved for Jewish communities. The threat against our common cultural heritage is unprecedented. We are in a race against time. Diarna is leading an effort to preserve the history of once vibrant communities. Every day, synagogues, schools, and community buildings that defined Jewish life across the Middle East and North Africa are decaying or being destroyed. Take this beautiful synagogue in Damascus. It is known as the site where the prophet Elijah anointed his successor. This was in 2010. This is now. Thanks to Diarna's efforts to capture the images, the artifacts, and the oral histories, over 1,200 sites have been identified and are now accessible online. Diarna is the first geo-museum of its kind. With the help of volunteers from across the region, including Arabs, Persians, and Kurds, as well as people of all religious backgrounds, an intense effort is underway to capture visual and oral histories before it is too late. In order to follow developments in real time, Diarna has set up a situation room to oversee digital mapping, traditional research, and field expeditions that cross into conflict zones to document the remnants of our shared cultural heritage. Here, in northern Iraq, we are rediscovering an entire Jewish village. The local elders remember the names of the families that lived there. Here, we see what remains of the synagogue in Accra. And in Saudi Arabia, we discover a complex of forts 
belonging to an ancient Jewish tribe which played a pivotal role in early Islamic history. Deep in the labyrinths of Sanna, Yemen, we document the vestiges of Jewish presence despite the chaos of an ongoing civil war. In other countries, peaceful environments allow us to render the full beauty of preserved sites. Witness the striking elegance of the Haim Pinto Synagogue in Essaouira, Morocco. This is heritage worth preserving. At a time when extremists are on a rampage to destroy the past and spread ignorance, the Diarna Geo Museum is on a mission to preserve, protect, archive, and project the knowledge, the history, and the cultures which together form our identity. Visit us online, contribute your knowledge, join the community, and begin the voyage. Diarna, into the past, on to the future. So this, this video was uh, released uh, in 2017 and published uh, by Newsweek uh, when we were on the cover for exactly the, the topic of, of this lecture, which is the, the rescue mission inside the race to save Jewish heritage in the Middle East. Um, this came about from one of our researchers uh, being on the front lines uh, with ISIS. He was, he was a, a Kurdish um, documentary filmmaker uh, documenting the crimes uh, against the Yazidis and in the process also documenting Jewish sites. And he survived a chlorine gas attack by ISIS. And a reporter, an American freelancer who was based in Turkey, contacted us that I heard this crazy story about one of your researchers. Is this true? And I said, yes, it, it is. And this ended up becoming the, the, the cover story and showing how uh, an interfaith and international team uh, has, has managed to document these sites and why, why it's so important to do so. Uh, but this was 2017. So from 20, 2008 to 2017, uh, we had 1,200 sites. Now we are up to uh, approaching 3,000 sites uh, just for Middle East and North Africa. So the work has greatly accelerated. We're also, after, uh, for most of Diarna's history, having less than 100 oral history interviews, we're now up to over 1,000. Uh, so this has been critical in the last few years as, as we've, uh, um, and especially imperative before the, the COVID uh, lockdowns, that we were able to document as, as much as possible. Uh, there's still a tremendous amount of work to do, but uh, as, as you, you have seen and will see, um, we, we, we have a lot to show for, for our efforts. Uh, so at this point, this is the, the overall map uh, of, of the Arna. Um, and as, as you can see, there's, there's sites in Africa, there's sites in Asia. Uh, we've never been uh, restricted, excuse me for, for one moment. Apologies. Um, we've we've never been uh, we've never been restricted by uh, geography, uh, and we've we've taken a very expansive view. And whenever there is documentation, uh, we've we've gone for it. So the first site I, I want to bring us to uh, is in Iran. 
and it's the shrine of Esther and Mordecai. So our materials on Esther and Mordecai uh, come from a number of sources. Uh, we were able to find these uh, sketches, uh, for, mainly from Christian pilgrims uh, and others, and then later photographs uh, from the 19th century of the shrine. I should I should say that when we're talking about a shrine, uh, we, we don't uh, take a position on uh, its purported uh, occupants. Uh, there is a historian, uh, Hertzfeld, who, who says that there is a Jewish queen buried at this, this site, but it's, a, it's not Esther. Um, uh, the importance for us is, the, uh, is that it, it was recognized as uh, an important site for the community. I'm sorry, I think we lost your uh, audio. Mr. Gooberman, we. Yes, yeah, I'm back. I'm sorry. I get disconnected for a moment. <laughs> there we go. Um, here's some of the early. Um, here's some of the early photographs of the site. So I was saying we we don't take a position on its on its purported uh, religious veracity. Uh, we 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 are interested from a perspective of this as a site that was important to the community, how they viewed the site, and and what happened here. Um, we have the tomb of Daniel in, uh, in Shush in Iran, and we also have the tomb of Daniel in Kirkuk, and we, as, uh, we leave it to the Persians and the Babylonians to figure out which one is which. So this is the uh, aerial view of, of the shrine. Uh, on the left is uh, the satellite imagery from Google Earth. On the right is the 3D model. Uh, of particular note is the Jewish star ornament that adorns the top of the subterranean synagogue. So in the 1970s, in honor of 2,500 years of Persian monarchy, each confession in Iran gave a gift uh, to the peacock throne. And the Jewish community's gift uh, was to restore this, this shrine. This is another uh, interesting feature of the shrine, this, this large door that you actually have to bow in reverence when you, when you enter. And then looking in on the purported sarcophagi. So this is a picture of the subterranean synagogue. And this is a picture of the iconic gate. So Yasi Gabai, the architect uh, who was selected by the community uh, to, to renovate the shrine, 
wanted to create a symbol of unity for all Persians. So subsequently, this gate was removed after the Islamist revolution. And presumably they removed it because uh, they saw it as a inherently Jewish symbol, but that was not Yasi's purpose at all. Uh, Yasi actually was inspired, and this is an homage to a mosque ceramic uh, from Eshfahan. And then we get into the current events. So the gate was removed. Uh, there have been efforts to downgrade the historical status of the shrine and its level of protection, uh, which have succeeded. Also, um, giving the lie to uh, the regime's treatment of, of Jews. Uh, anytime there is a, a protest, anytime there is an issue with Israel, there are typically protests, as you can see here, the besieged uh, militia who have threatened the shrine in the past. This was 2016. This is this uh, in May 2020 when uh, when there was a fire at at the shrine. So the there were conflicting reports, and uh, initially it was said to be arson, uh, even officially, and then subsequently it was uh, said to be a, an electrical fire, um, and then according to uh, the Jewish member of parliament, uh, to be uh, fake news, um, uh, invented by a cabal of. Uh, of uh, Zionists, uh, Saudis, and the US media. Um, but what we do know is that it, it was actually arson uh, and it was committed uh, most likely by the besiege. Uh, thankfully, they were not able to get into the shrine itself, uh, but they were able to get in to the subterranean synagogue. And this came after a series of escalating threats to the, to the shrine, uh, that to destroy the shrine um, and to uh, threaten, and th it happened a week during a weekend of uh, of attacks on minority sites all over Iran. So on Friday it was the shrine to Esther. Um, on uh, Saturday and Sunday there were attacks on uh, a Hindu temple and a Christian cemetery. But remarkably, uh, the carpets emblazoned with Israel on them survived. Uh, this, these are uh, con compare and contrast an archival picture on the left from 1967, 1968 uh, of uh, one of the entrances to the shrine. Uh, this was the pre-restoration. Pre um, and then on the right, uh, as you can see, the Qasem Soleimani and other graffiti and the defaced uh, star. Uh, even before these, these recent uh, downgrade in status and attacks on the site, um, the caretaker of the shrine had said to people that uh, there had been restoration. He denied the existence of the restoration from the 1970s. He said the shrine had been restored uh, twice before, most recently by, by the regime and prior to that by the Mongols. So I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with Mongol restoration technique, but they basically burned Hamadan to the ground. So for our next site, we're going to go back to the map. And we're going to fly to uh, downtown Beirut. And the Magan Avraham Synagogue. So this was um, this is also one of uh, one of my favorite sites. Um, and 
and speaks to the character of Diarna. Um, when we early on, we were invited to present at the Association of Jewish Studies, um, and there was a panel of respondents, and there was also a question from the audience. And the professor in the audience asked uh, more of a statement than a question, actually, trying to say that you know anything in the Middle East is political. Uh, don't don't tell us that you're a historical project. And then specifically asked, what do you do if a site has graffiti? Um, so I use the example of the Magan Avraham. This, this is a beautiful uh, synagogue, was the centerpiece of the Wadi Abu Jamil neighborhood. Uh, you see behind it, uh, that, that building is uh, the presidential uh, palace. Um, and in the neighborhood was a school and where many of the, uh, the Jewish community lived. Um, we have pictures of it from the 1950s when it was the centerpiece and beautiful part of the community. Uh, we also have pictures of it from later on, uh, as you can see here from the 1980s, um, when as a result of the Civil War, uh, it was, it was uh, falling into ruin. And then the story gets interesting. Uh, in the 2000s, Rafiq Hariri, uh, prior to being assassinated as part of his efforts to, to renovate um, uh, Beirut, he promised that this synagogue would not be destroyed. He had to, he raised a number of buildings in the neighborhood, uh, but he did not destroy the synagogue. And he, the idea was that it would be restored. Uh, and then even after his rest, his assassination, uh, there was an effort to restore the synagogue, which even received uh, a, an, an approbation from Hezbollah. So Unfortunately, there's no Jewish community left apart from, you know, one or two people in the neighborhood. Uh, but uh, so there's no one to actually use the synagogue, but it has been completely restored. So I put the question back to the uh, to uh, the audience member at that time and said, you know, which part of the story should we leave out? It, our, our job is to show all the pictures. Um, you know, we're not going to censor. We're not going to decide, OK, the graffiti in this uh, on this site may be offensive to someone. Um, we're going to show everything and we're going to let people decide. Uh, and so we showed the pictures from the 1950s, the 1970s, 80s, and now with the synagogue fully restored. And we even have a, a beautiful 3D model that puts the site on the map. Um, for those of you who are wondering, this uh, is very close to the port uh, and remarkably uh, was relatively unscathed from the from the horrible explosion. The presidential palace actually had doors blown off and there are pictures of more damage, even though it's a little bit further away uh, than the synagogue, but thankfully this, the synagogue was, uh, was remains intact. Uh, the next site we're gonna go to is in Tripoli, Libya. So prior to the uprising and civil war, um, against Gaddafi, uh, we were not able to conduct, do any research in, in Libya on the ground. Uh, people were very uh, afraid to, to collaborate with us, which is, which is interesting because in many places, uh, Iran, Iraq, uh, other places where it's difficult to, to, to work, we, we've been able to find volunteers who will help us. Um, but in Libya, there was no such luck. And then in the midst of the Civil War, a journalist contacted me and said that uh, she was going to be traveling. Uh, she was going to be traveling there, was interested in being in touch. And then 
once she landed, uh, I got an interesting note saying, you know, I just discovered that there was Jewish history in Libya, that the Jews were oppressed by the fascists, and I'd be very interested in your help. So we ended up having this very strange uh, call, a Skype call. Um, she was in the Roxio Hotel uh, in uh, downtown Tripoli, surrounded by Gaddafi's minders. Uh, and I'm, we're trying to invent a code as we go along. You know, how I can't answer her questions. I can't uh, communi really communicate with her and, and she can't communicate with me. Uh, but thankfully at that point, they, Gaddafi's people were not monitoring the email traffic. So I was able to send her an old Italian map which showed the Hara Kabira, the Jewish quarter and a number of sites and some additional photo archival photographs. And then I didn't hear from her for a few days. And subsequently, once she, once she got out, um, I learned the full story. So somehow she was able to slip her minders, get out of the hotel, make it to the downtown, and then get inside the uh, Darbishi synagogue, which was no mean feat because the synagogue had been uh, expropriated uh, and had been closed for several decades. And just getting into it, um, you have to walk through all this rubble and debris. Uh, Here's a picture of the exterior. And that's the interior. But she was able to do it. Uh, she took the pictures, um, then went outside, took pictures of the Jewish quarter. Some of them were over here. I passed them as we were going along. Um, and then Gaddafi's men caught up with her. They confiscated her camera. But the camera was actually a decoy. Uh, the photos were on her smartphone. And she, these, these are the photos that she was able to, to smuggle out uh, of the synagogue. And here's, there's the Torah Ark from 2011. And then here's the Torah Ark uh, from, uh, we believe the 19, uh, late 1930s, early 1940s. And then you can see also uh, different pictures of Italian officials visiting. And... So we didn't do anything with this documentation. We were waiting to see what would play out at, 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 the, at that time. Uh, there was a uh, Libyan Jewish exile named Dr. David Jerby, who had been exiled as a kid uh, to Italy and who came back at the start of the Civil War and was working with the rebels against Gaddafi. And then after their victory, he uh, was pictured in the synagogue praying uh, with an imam. And this photo went all over the world. There were articles about, about his, uh, him, him wanting to be declared the leader of the Jewish community um, in exile you know, with him on the ground. And he also wanted to restore the synagogue. It's at that time that things took a turn for the worse, which there were massive protests uh, in Tripoli and Benghazi uh, against him, demanding no, no Zionism, uh, uh, in, in Libya, one, one Jew was, was too many apparently, and people even tried to storm his hotel and he had to be taken back into exile. And that's, uh, at that point we were encouraged and we ended up publishing uh, a 3D model of the site um, and digitally reopening the synagogue. Stacy, how, how are we doing on time? Uh, we're actually running out quickly and have quite a few questions coming in from the audience. <laughs> Okay, great. Um, so why don't you want me to do one more site or do you want me to pause and take questions? Uh, if you could take questions now, that would be 
Great. This is fascinating stuff. And I think the first sure. question should be, where can we find this on our own if we would like to explore this further? Sure. So diarna.org, D-I-A-R-N-A.org. Um, we have multiple uh, exhibits. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch screens there now. Um, you can explore on your own. Just hit explore and take you to the map and you can drill down into sites. You can also search by country, site, and name type of site and name. Uh, we also have, if you click on discover, we have different exhibits. Um, and since we're all also talking about race against time, I just mentioned that we have an exhibit right now on uh, a new exhibit on exploring Azerbaijan's Jewish history. Right. So our next question is, how do you protect these sites physically from being attacked by terrorists short of providing armed guards? Right. So this is this is a, a, a very good question. And, and a concern of ours has always been uh, to balance publicizing these sites versus their safety. In the vast majority of cases, we're talking about places that have not had Jewish communities for three, four, five decades or more. And uh, some of the Libyan villages longer, uh, 60, 70 years. Um, so there's no way to physically protect the vast majority of these sites. Our concern has mainly been uh, uh, for the Jewish community, if there are active Jewish communities that we, we do not want to publicize uh, sites that could in any way endanger uh, living Jews. Uh, the other thing to consider about these sites, how do we find these sites? We're, we're, we're looking at scholarly resources. We're also looking at public source information, Wikimapia um, and, and uh, uh, panoramia and uh, you know, photo tagging and different things. So these sites are known. Uh, sometimes we, we we get the information, we know that there's the, the hand of the Jewess in Algeria. We have no idea why that uh, geographic feature is named after a, a Jewish woman, but that's what they call it. Uh, and so we, we are mapping these sites. Uh, we, there's no way to physically protect them, but we're, we're doing our best to provide uh, at least the, the virtual memory of them. Um, and also consider some of the sites have been repurposed. I mean, in the case of the Magan Abraham, it's, it's rare that outside of Morocco, to have a synagogue restored uh, as, as Magan Abraham was, but for many other sites, there's no hope of, of being restored and they've already been turned into something else. Thank you. Is your project involved at all in challenging the political campaigns to deny the extent of Jewish presence in the Middle East? So Diarna is not a political project. Um, we don't take a position on uh, any of the uh, issues that are, that, you know, worthy dis discussions and debates that are going on about uh, Jewish communities and why, why these communities uh, cease to exist uh, effective, uh, effectually. Um, what we do is focus on providing the documentation. Uh, the, the synagogues, the cemetery, school shrines, any structure of significance to the Jewish community. And that in itself is, is a radical proposition for people who want to deny that there's Jewish history in Libya uh, just because there's no Jews in Libya today or people who want to do the same for Iraq and, and other places in the Middle East. We're saying, you know, these, these sites existed, these communities were there. Uh, why they left is a very complex question. Um, the experience of Iraqi Jews very, who were, had their property expropriated and, and were denationalized is very different from Moroccan Jews, um, uh, who many of them have been, have been leaving, were leaving long before the, uh, the uh, refounding of Israel. Uh, for economic reasons and uh, and 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 Zionist uh, uh, reasons, 
So, so we're not we're not involved in the politics. We're 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 doing our best to focus on the history. Understood. Thank you so much. So one comment in is this is remarkable work. How on earth do you get funding? So that has always that has never been our strong suit. Um, the vast majority of Diarna's work has been done by volunteers. Uh, at various times, people have estimated that contribution to be two hundred fifty thousand or more dollars a year, just in people agreeing to to travel. Uh, people agreeing to, uh, you know, people purchasing equipment and donating it to us, uh, people contributing their archives and collections. Um, so uh, we have had a, a, a group of funders um, who were inspired by the work, uh, I'll specifically mention uh, Ira Jolis of the Kahneman Foundation, uh, who, who is responsible for many of our research expeditions to Morocco, to Iraq, to Yemen, uh, and elsewhere. Uh, the Lear Foundation, um, and the Lear Ridgefield Foundation, um, Oliver Stanton uh, uh, has, is one of DHM's uh, board members uh, and uh, tr has been tremendously supportive of the project. Um, so that, those have been the main sources of funding uh, and then just people uh, getting interested and excited about it and, and supporting the work. But uh, we, we definitely need support. All right. Well, thank you so much. Unfortunately, we've come to the close of our webinar. Thank you again, Mr. Gruberman, for taking time to speak with us today and to show us. Sure. If, if there are additional questions, I'm, I'm happy to answer them. Um, you can either uh, write to me directly, uh, jguberman at heritagemapping.org, uh, or write to Stacy and you can forward me the questions. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm available. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And for our viewers, please be on the lookout for our weekly webinar offerings email coming out over the weekend. Thank you all for joining us and I hope you have a great day.